Shishkin Productions podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Ask Not Me Anything podcast here on wherever you're listening to it, really. And thanks for tuning in. And in this episode, I sit down with Jen Winston. We had a really good conversation where I learned and unlearned a lot. And she is an author, a meme creator, and a creative strategist in tech. We met a couple years ago now while traveling abroad. And in this podcast, we address topics such as bisexuality, gender, and we even talk about our weirdest and best dates that we've ever had. So I really enjoyed this conversation and let's just get to it. This is a small podcast, so I want to use this space to shout out some local businesses. Today, we've got Wandering Barman. They make pre-bottled cocktails, and they're all handcrafted, convenient, and better than anything you could make at home. My favorite is their margarita, La Nina. You can find Wandering Barman in your favorite bar, restaurant, or liquor store, and if they don't carry it already, maybe ask them to stock up. That'd be cool. You could find them at wanderingbarman.com. What's up, everyone? I'm Lanny. And I'm Alexi, and we're bringing you Rounds, Rounds of, of Sound. Each week, we share three songs, both old and new, with each other and with you. You'll hear some stuff you've never heard before, and you might just discover your new favorite artist. Dope and direct, absolutely correct. Find us exclusively on Spotify. Rounds of Sound. Every Thursday. Every Thursday. Thanks for tuning in. I'm sitting here right next to Jen, a.k.a. Generous. And Hi. how are you doing, Jen? I'm good. It's so good to see you. Yeah, thanks for coming through. It's been like, I think, a year, like it's, almost. It's been about a year, yeah. How are you? And then you? we met like two years ago. I know, which about is wild. So one year ago, because the last year does not count. It doesn't count. It so doesn't we met count. a year ago. Um, but it's good to see you. It's good to see you what? too. Should we uh should we just jump right into the questions? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> All right. First question is coming in from Ian Pakrif Photography. <laughs> you're you're bold to read everybody's handles. Like, well, yeah, I want to I want to shout the people out who asked the questions because yeah, yeah, I always yeah. appreciate the people uh, sending through the questions and taking taking yeah, the time like, to think of a good question. Some of them are like. E three eight two like I mean it's good for you. But that's what it makes it fun too to try to no, pronounce yeah, these game. And butcher these usernames. It's a game for everybody. Yeah. So thank you, Ian Percreef Photography. Yes, thank you. What got you into writing and why? Oh, um, that's a nice question. Yeah. Um, I thought it started off with something light. Yeah. It, well, I think it took me a really long time to like be comfortable self-identifying as a writer, like. I never felt like I deserved that title, um, but I've <clears throat> I've always done it. Like I've I've done it. I I feel like the only reason everyone is really a writer. Basically, like everyone can like sit down and put their their thoughts to paper, and then it's just like when you want to name yourself that. Yeah, um, I, I feel the same exact way about photography as a photographer. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like everyone's a photographer everyone has an iphone everyone's taking photos and posting on their instagram yeah why aren't you a photographer if you're taking photos and i had a very similar feeling where when could i call myself a photographer a professional photographer um yeah it's like i don't feel worthy of that title so i totally relate to how you're explaining that's that. like that's really interesting i wonder if it's like that for a lot of creative yeah. pursuits like painting and 
music and stuff. I'm sure it um, is. If we both feel that way, I don't yeah. know. Because and then it's like once you like not to like be quoting the secret here, but like I've been quoting the secret a lot, a <laughs> lot recently, which is embarrassing. But um, like once you start naming it that, you're like like people start gravitating toward you. Like I had to start calling myself that uh, in order to to do it regularly and to start writing every day and like making myself actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Ian. Um, the next question is from Daniel Ryman. What's an underrated thing people might not know about New York? And by the way, these questions jump all over the oh, place. Yeah. So they're not I've, in any I've certain listened. order. We're going from topic to topic to topic. Okay. Um, I mean, doesn't everybody kind of know that like Manhattan is built on granite? I didn't know that. You didn't know that? That's why it doesn't sink. Oh, cool. Fun, fun fact. I'm like Miami, which apparently is going to sink in like 100 years, right? Oh, I think I well, read that I- somewhere. Pro- probably that sounds like a climate change like reality that yeah. we're dealing with but yeah new york like that's how it can support the weight of all the buildings it's like i, built I didn't on know granite. this great that's an underrated thing about new york okay. i feel i feel pretty good cool though. yeah that's that's a fun fact <laughs> yeah too. I'm, I'm gonna i didn't even know that gonna, like that was a pretty good one to pull I'm out keep I'm, that under my sleeve yeah. yeah it's a good one i think i would the first thing that came to mind the most underrated thing about new york would be to me just being able to bike here it's such a bike accessible mm. city and like getting around everywhere um you get exercise it's fun and it's like the fastest way yeah. to get around compared to like la Oh yeah, I guess I I didn't really answer that part of the question. Like no, you you answered it. I mean, we just had to, two totally different answers. It was like I guess your answer was more of like a fun fact. Yeah, about it, like, like I, geographically the most <laughs> underrated thing. No, but I think I also would say like even just coming here to meet you in Bushwick, like mm. I feel like I'm in like a completely different place. Like it's and you you're can, one neighborhood over. You yeah, live in Williamsburg. I took yeah. I took a lift, which was nice because I haven't been in the lift in a while, and uh, it was ten minutes, and I'm like, feels like I've traveled. Do you know so. what's crazy about Lyft? Do you remember mm. when they had their whole advertising campaign or their whole shtick was pink mustaches? Yeah, yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah, it was great branding. <laughs> honestly, you liked it. I well, like think. I mean, it's memorable. I I still think yeah, about it and, often. And you like know them as the pink rideshare, right? Like those things are like forever linked. The pink mustache rideshare. Yeah. App. I mean, I always choose Lyft over Uber. Yeah, me too. For like a variety of for a variety of reasons. reasons. Also, but, I, I love the feature where you could like Lyft. I don't know if Uber does this feature, but Lyft definitely does. Is it? You could pick like a certain organization that you could donate to, and whatever your oh, ride yeah. comes out to, it like it rounds up whatever like the, the change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a great way to donate because yeah. it doesn't even feel like you're donating. Yeah, that stuff adds. Yeah, it really, cool. it really is. Um, the other thing that I will say about Lyft, while we're <laughs> they, this is like not sponsored, but um, they are uh, they the Lyft Pink that you can order, like the or that you can sign up for, pay for. Um, it came free with my credit card, so I was uh, I did it Lyft? for a year. It's I don't like even a know what that is. it's like a frequent member. Like uh, okay. you get like reduced rates. Like oh my god, it game was changer? the most yes game changing. It was phenomenal. So if. If you have a Chase Sapphire credit card. <laughs> All right. This is turning into a sponsored <laughs> it podcast. Really, it really <laughs> is. It really is. No, that's a, that's a cool feature. Um, um, yeah. But. While yeah. we're on this question. Okay. What, what is the most overrated thing about New York? I want to ask you. Mm. That's the most underrated thing. So, Like Wall Street? Mm. Like I think I moved here. or I'm, I don't know. Times Square. That's like a basic answer. But right. like. Uh, in in terms of places to go, Times Square. Um, in terms of like 
aspirations that I thought I needed to have when I moved here, Wall Street. Because I like moved here and like thought that was what I like wanted to you saw Wolf of Wall Street with Leonardo DiCaprio and mm-hmm. you were like, damn, I yeah, want to be him. It's like <laughs> Jordan, what's his, yeah. Be- Jordan, no, 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 Bedford. Bedford, yeah, yeah that sounds about something right. Something like that. Wait, I have a fun fact about Margot Robbie. Oh, wow, <laughs> um, let's hear it. Just, just that I always think of when that movie came She's out. She's your cousin. Um, No, but I did have dinner with her once. Oh. Um, and she actually, I had dinner with her once because she used to date a friend of mine, like, we're, like, wildly, like, right before she was in that movie. And she actually said this, like, really brilliant, poignant thing about the difference between L.A. and New York. Um, She said that New York, you just, like, walk out of your... It was right before I moved to New York from L.A., and I was, like, I really wanted to, like, know what I was going to expect. And she was, like, in New York, you just walk out of the door and, like, you, like, come back, like, 20 hours later and, like, a ton of different things have happened to you and you, like, don't know how they happen. But in L.A., you have to, like, calculate and plan what you want to do because you have to drive, and so you have to, like, figure it out. And I I think about it, like, all the time because it it does really, like, explain the tangible difference, like, the way we get around. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I like to think of the difference between New York and L.A. as... New LA is a shitty version of heaven and New York is a fun version of hell. <laughs> oh my god. That's, what I go by. that's perfect. Wow. <laughs> you just beat Margot yeah, Robbie in yeah. my head. I mean, I that's not an original thought from me. So I think oh. someone said something like that at some point and it just stuck with me. So Oh my god. I it's so good. Yeah, it just that stuck with me. It's so. it's like so true. <laughs> it's so true. Wow. Actually, I haven't lived in LA, so I, I can't totally no, say for true. sure, but I could imagine. Yes. Um, let's move on to the next question, okay. which is from Kala underscore rough. At what age did you start questioning your gender and identity? Ooh. Um, well, I would say I just recently started questioning my gender. Um, I like during quarantine, really like kind of in the last, in the last few years, but I know I'm not alone in that I'm questioning my gender while I'm like at home, not having to like put on makeup and like. quote unquote perform gender for the world um like that's i know from tiktok that i'm not alone like i've learned from other people there um but i think with my sexuality like buy my book and you can find out um oops but um yeah i i think with my sexuality it's just been something that i've always kind of known that i wasn't straight but in this way where i've been like ah you it's probably fine. Like you don't have to deal with it. And I sort of just like stuffed it down for a really long time. It was a lot of imposter syndrome about like not being gay enough and not being queer enough. Um, and, and once I was like, you know what? I'm bisexual. Like I'm a, I'm a hundred percent content being between, between these two places. Like that's where I am forever. Uh, then I, then like, the floodgates opened and I could start questioning my gender. And I was like, right. whoa, what is being a woman? What does it mean? It's interesting. You just explaining this. It just, I feel like there's some parallels between how you feel about your gender with how you feel about your career as a writer. Mm. It's like, it's well, like what, yes, what validates it, but oh you, my God. you yourself, I mean, it's like no one yeah. knows yourself more than you, but yeah, it's yeah. The, I, I dated this like, intellectual guy creative writing guy in college and i helped him write his thesis and i'm like so bitter that i gave him this idea because he wrote this amazing short story uh his whole thesis was about 
the idea of naming and being and like how if you name something, it like becomes into existence. Um, and he wrote the short story based on my idea uh, about like uh, this this period of time when kisses didn't make a sound. So like you could like, yeah, like like try to kiss, try to kiss your hand right now without making a sound. It's like, yeah, you just like touched your lips to your hand and yeah, it like means nothing. That's like, yeah, yeah. I felt really weird. I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like touching. I felt, I felt nothing. It's literally a touch. Yeah, and then the touch. sound makes it a kiss. When did that happen where it changed from a touch to a. I Well, that's that's what this guy wrote a sh- short story about. And it's like, honestly, and you I'm, gave him this idea. I gave him. Well, I just <laughs> mentioned the thing. Okay. He put it. He like wrote this whole. It was basically like a his- historical myth about like how how people created sounds for kisses, uh, which it's very cute. I'm sure you can Google it and find it somewhere. But um, but yeah, I I think like that is such a, a little thing that you can do to be like, hmm, if if I want this to be in the world, like I need to say it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, I want to read that story, but also don't want to support someone. No, he's, he's a good guy. He's a good <laughs> okay, guy. Cool, cool, in, cool. The, in the scheme of guys, he's a good guy. Okay, good to know. Yes. Next question is from Liz Levitch. What's the mm. best advice you've ever received? Hi, Liz. No, Liz. Um, hmm. Oh, my gosh. That's such a good one. You can also come back to it if you want to let it simmer for a little bit. Let that idea marinate. Yeah, I do want to. Got to dig back there to think what your best advice um, is. Sometimes. Yeah, I know. Oh no, oh. you know I know, and it and it might not be actually answering that question, but it's the thing that's most relevant to me right now. Um, Let's go with it. One of my like mentors. Her name's Maggie. She's amazing. If she's listening, um, she, I've I've been stressing out a lot about urgency. Happen like. Think people who need things now when when people are like creating that urgency she told me that most urgency is invented and i was like huh you're right most of this is like these timelines are fake like everyone like yeah you want to get something out whatever but like just prioritize yourself a little bit and like and and do what you can do and yeah another thing off of that is um I recently took like a mental health leave from work. Which yeah, we was, were talking about this last time we hung yeah, out. Yeah, um, it was that was even a FaceTime. We or weren't even a hanging FaceTime out. Or... I know hey, it felt like a hangout. It did. Though. It did. That's which, what counts. That's meaningful. Um, but during that time, I kind of learned that saying no to something means saying yes to something else. Whether that is doing like saying no to doing lots of little projects might mean saying yes to doing one big project in a more deep. That's way. valuable advice. For example, this book. Yeah, which exactly. Which is one deep project. Yeah. There's just something oh my you've God. been working on for, I mean, I, I I peeked at some of the questions and I think we'll get to it. Okay. So okay. Okay. We'll talk more of the book in a little bit. And the next question's from Lele610. Do you ever get writer's block and any tips for overcoming it? You're smirking while hearing uh, yeah. this question. <laughs> I, I am. Um, I mean, like, it's funny. Now that I've finished this book... Like if you were going to say, if you were going to hold a gun to my head and be like, write a book, I would not be able to do it because I don't have anything left to say. Like I don't no have gas any- in the tank. Yeah. And I am. I mean, I think um, I only write well when I feel like I have something to say. So I'm not a, I'm not great at answering this question. Um, but I do think that prompts are really helpful. Like every time I've taken 
a writing class. Uh, they've they've given really amazing prompts. And one time they they gave this prompt that was like write like uh, five hundred words focused on an object, like from like start with the object at the core. And I wrote about like from the point of view of the bed, like a sexual Ooh. encounter from the point of view of the bed in the hotel. And it was like it was like a really cool like I wouldn't have written that essay. It it led to an essay that got cut from my book. <laughs> um, but I would never have written that essay if I hadn't like started there. And there were so many other cool ones in the class. Like that's a good a good prompt. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah, or else, like, if there's so much thing, it's it's similar with photography again. It's like mm -hmm. I find it similar when there's a subject matter prompt to work with, where you could create within these boundaries. Yeah. And as a as comparatively to like, you know, you could write about anything. You could take a photo about anything. That's like, yeah, yeah, that's way too much. No, yeah, it's it's <laughs> easy to have some constraints to work within. It's that's so true. Yeah, I, there's like I feel like there's a really you know Austin Cleon sounds very familiar. He's like. He's like original. Oh like, yeah, I. Uh, I feel I like you, I don't know him, but I know you. Like I, I don't want to say too much, but I. Yeah, I okay. Know, I know he like made something very similar to someone. Oh really? Else. Oh, like I don't his, know about that. One of his that. books is very similar to like. I don't. I don't oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know about that. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I had been like following his work when I was like uh, working in ad agencies as like in like 2012 or something. Okay. And he that's always, a long time ago. Um. Yeah. Um. I've I like that's it, like almost 10 years ago. That's crazy. I know. Just, just think, I mean, I'm just thinking so, like the no, actual year right. 2012 is literally no, that's nine years literally, ago. Literally. Yeah. That's so wild. Yeah. Wow. Um, but he always says like creativity is subtraction and like talks. Well, that's different, but he talks about creativity within lines of constraint. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what quarantine was a lot for me is mm -hmm. like, I'm usually out and about and doing things, running errands here, doing photo shoot here, meeting there, meeting yeah. a friend here, whatever there. And then all of a sudden I'm just like stuck in my apartment and I had to like be creative while not yeah. being out and about and, and you like that was crushed a fun, that, it. that was a fun challenge Look for me because i never was forced to stay inside i'm all I'm, i like to do things yeah so, um yeah, yeah. It, it allowed me to like a lot of my ideas that i would i'm always kind of getting ideas but i don't act on all of them because mm -hmm. all of a sudden something else is happening in my life and i just yeah you know? so but this it gave me no excuses to just like act on whatever idea i had and make make a project about it or make art with it. So you did so good. Thank um, you. That also reminds me in 2012 when I was like in this Austin Cleon creative phase, I was mm -hmm. like a junior copywriter at an ad agency. And I was like, creativity, like it's the key to everything. And in my cubicle, I had like all these like Tumblr posts printed out in my cubicle. And one of them said more ideas than time. Um, and it was like written. I relate to that. Yeah, I know. I, I think about it all the time because I'm like, uh, yes, this is, is that the from case. Austin or no, is that from it was just like I think I had like a photo of something of his next to it. Okay. Um yeah. But um Cool. Yeah. Let's move on to the next question. Okay. Which is from also Liz Levich. Mm. I circled a couple more of her questions. She <laughs> she's had really good questions. And they are what's currently your favorite TikTok trend and what's your favorite travel memory? Which one do you want to go with first? Uh oh my god. Um 
Let's go with favorite travel memory first. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, let's go with favorite TikTok. TikTok trend first. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, well, just, okay, just because it's like literally stuck in my head. The one that's like, waking up in the morning. Oh, yeah. Thinking about, about so many things. things. I just that's wish. Right. It's like every that. single time they are hilarious. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. What's I, the origin of that sound? Who did that? I just hear I that, that all the time. I don't I'm actually just very, know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Whenever these TikTok trends happen, I love to look at the origin. Oh, me too. Me too at this one yet but i love this sound one of my favorite ones like of all time is is one of the early ones that's the um is it me jesus you know what oh i don't even know that one it's it oh. was like of course you like joined tiktok after me and you're like <laughs> all right, all right, a right. huge creator but uh great um but it, it it was like a dialogue between like Jesus and the disciples and and Judas, but it was like this this like woman to the or this person. I'm trying not to gender people. I don't know people's genders. Um, this person did like a stunt um where they were like taught having a conversation and then um people just like took it and made it into all these memes and you should just look it up. It's it's like original tiktok okay i gotta look that one up Wait, um, speaking of that like not wanting to assume people's genders something i just thought about now is you know how like all the time i'll be like or people i don't know if it's a new york thing or it's everywhere thing but or i think youtubers do it it's like hey guys how's it going oh my god is that how do you feel about the term hey guys hi guys or like if you talk to a group it's never like hey people like you know what yeah, i'm talking about so I, I always do it and I always try not to. It's so hard not to do. It's so hard not to. I don't. Yeah. But I I do try not to because like at first I was like, it's fine. Like, that's one of the ones I'll be fine with. Like, I I won't let my. I'm fine with it. I just want to be like cautious. I want to be mindful of what other people are I think we should all try to like get rid of it. So what's the alternative? I like y'all. Y'all. Y'all See, is but a then, fantastic But word. then it's like, y'all, I feel like it's so Southern. I'm not from the South at all. Yeah, but like, it's, it's. Okay, so say in, you're, say you're making a YouTube video. And oh, I wouldn't you're say hey, y'all. And, the, and you're addressing pe- people, like, like, whether it's at hey, the end. Hey, saying, hey, yeah. hey. <laughs> hey, 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 guys. <laughs> See, then you're trying too I much, know. right? I'm not a YouTube is star. There, There's a there reason. A, <laughs> is there a better alternative than hey, guys? Um... Hey, hey, y'all. <laughs> it's y'all. If you say it slow, it's okay. less southern. If you say it like hey, perky, what about hey, you all? Hey, you all. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Nice. No, hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Um, in fact, very another like a, a long time ago, I took over LeBron James's Instagram, which was yeah, I know this the story. Gr- yes. The greatest <laughs> day of my dad's life. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I still can't believe that happened. Yeah, I know it was wild. Um, it was really cool. We have open DMs. Just saying. <laughs> um, but uh, like once I tagged him in the story, and it was like King James has watched your story, and I was like, what? And you saw it. Uh, it was crazy. But. Um, <laughs> Yeah, literally uh, the king. Yeah, seriously. Um, but I redid that video so many times because I just kept being like, "Hey guys," and I was like, "No, if you're doing this for LeBron James's Instagram, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do that." So, yeah. is that what inspired you to let so many other creators take over your own story? Is because um, LeBron James let you take over his story? And you're just giving actually, back? Actually, no. <laughs> I think I had done that before. Okay. Um, but no, that was a suggestion from my friend Jelson, um, who like I was trying to figure out what to do as my platform was growing. And he was like, you should do takeovers. And that was like the most fulfilling thing I've done with my platform. But it was so, it's like so hard 
and like time intensive um, and requires like a lot of management and then some people still like to come after you and roast you for it which i see yeah well there was i the last time that that happened i like i should have been moderating comments and like i'm trying to figure out how to moderate comments right now um i like just put out a request for a community manager and got like a bunch of emails oh wow and i am like too swamped trust (laughs) is a thing like you can't just hire anyone no no i'm gonna like interview and i'm gonna pay because it's like it's a position you know and yeah i think it's like it's hard to figure those things out like especially because i have like a day job like i'm like i mean the day job is really how i afford to even do stuff with my platform like the platform's really when i do my taxes it's very clear that my instagram is not it's not profitable like the irs is about to be like this is no longer a business ma'am like what are you doing yeah um yeah Cool. Let's let's go on <laughs> to the next question, which is oh wait I guess you didn't answer. What's your favorite travel mm. memory? Oh, yeah. Oh God, I've been looking at like all. Oh yeah, probably us <laughs> going to Israel. How, how we met? <laughs> yeah. I we, mean, we, we, I don't know if that's your favorite travel memory. That's um, the first one. No, I've but been. it was great. Like yeah. being hanging out with you at the Dead Sea was like a phenomenal. Yeah. There's thing. a photo of us. If you're watching the YouTube video version of this right now, yeah, we'll put the photo like hey. right here. Of us with uh, the mud on our bodies before we go in the Dead yeah. Sea. I don't like look like that after quarantine. <laughs> like, <laughs> once upon a time. Um, but oh my God, that was so fun. You know yeah. what I always remember about being in the Dead Sea with you? Is that you <laughs> You made me do a foot five. Like oh. you, we were floating and you were like, let's <laughs> let's foot five. Did I and do I was that? like, Jeremy, I cannot oh, do this. We were, well, we were literally let the no, yeah, because the Dead Sea. No, yeah, it made sense. We were like floating. We were like, it totally made sense. And but, I said like, that. That's something I would I have do. a visceral memory of the way I felt. <laughs> it was like so gross. <laughs> With mud on her. Was there yeah. mud on her? Yeah. Just like, yeah. I remember That's it. so funny. Yeah. But it, yeah, it wasn't successful. The foot, Did we do the foot five? Uh no we yeah we did or did I just suggest we it? did and then and then I like I was like <laughs> and then oh. you got scarred from it <laughs> it was like it felt like like a like if a like a stingray were to like brush against you and like mm. be like slippery it was mm. weird one in Israel yeah Israel. yeah exactly all right question is from Lucy Mauer okay any advice for aspiring strategists mm. um yeah. Um, I think what what does a strategist entail, by the way, at a yeah, well, like I had always been hesitant to use the term strategist, like in a marketing environment Uh um, and to like take a role that involved it because I thought that it meant I couldn't be creative anymore. Like there in a lot of places, there's this like like especially ad agencies, there's this like segmentation, like certain people do the strategy where they like. Uh, they like come up with the the audience and the segmentation and like what your approach is going to be. And then they hand that off to the creatives and the creatives come up with the idea. Um, but ultimately, like those things work best if they work together. Uh, so I now am a creative strategist um, and I basically come up with the idea and then how to execute it. And so I think when you if you want to become a strategist, you want to think about like, what part of the process is most interesting to you? Like what part do you want to do research on? Because normally strategy is like doing the research and the prep work and the planning. And it's like about building the infrastructure for big picture ideas. 
And this is all also working in a team setting. You have to yeah. be able to, yeah. Yeah, you can't really like just be a strategist yeah. like as a means to an end because it's not really like executional. Right. Like, like I don't have like strong Photoshop skills really. Like we were just saying, like I do work. Yeah, I can type I would dis- stuff. I would disagree with that. You I make mean, me- you can, you I know make how all to- my memes in Keynote. That's the only software I know. Really? Because I'm good at presentations. Like, Interesting. Yeah, that's the only I software know. I know. Wow. Yeah, I, ex- wow. I can even so make you just videos. Make a keynote. It's just one slide on your yeah. Keynote for. Yeah. Or do you have a Keynote a- slide where it's like thousands of memes that you've made? Uh, no, I just, have multiple keynotes that I like export to, to that's, JPEG. That's fascinating. And I can even wow. make like a, like a crappy animated video in keynote because you can Ooh. export to, uh, MP4. But I, other than that, like, I'm so envious of you to be able to like not like collapse on yourself if you open, uh, what do you make videos in? Like, premiere yeah. yeah oh my god i can't even imagine it's it's a lot of work as all these guys know that yeah, we're sitting right now so it's so much uh, tech yeah we applaud you <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to the next question which is from ill concept other than writing do you enjoy expressing yourself with any other forms of art mm. yeah. um yeah well i actually like i haven't dabbled in that many forms of art uh, like, because I was just trying to get a book deal for like literally my whole life. Like, I've just wanted to write personal essays and there's not really anywhere to write personal essays other than a book. So I was like, okay, that's what I have to do. Um, so I've been like trying to just write const- like constantly my free time. But, um, at the beginning of quarantine, I like really needed something for my mental health and I started painting and I like started doing oil painting. I oil painted myself flashing uh myself taking a selfie while i was flashing the camera so that was my like my magnum opus is that what you say sounds about right did Um, you can you explain this painting a little bit so are you i'll I'll give you the picture if you're watching this is it (laughs) can we get we could put it in the video right here all right so it's gonna be yeah i put it on my instagram um yeah but uh I I started to like painting because I was like, oh, you could get really creative with this in terms of like what, like if you do a still life, you could like, what do you put in the still life? Like I started doing one that had my partner's uh, Trans Lives Matter hat. Uh um, And then um, uh, it had like a bottle of weed. Um, You know, it was like, these are the things in our house. And like, and I put my cell phone in it because I was like, I want my cell phone yeah. like immortalized. Um, I never finished that painting, but it was fun. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see it after this podcast. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> after hearing you <laughs> it's, describe it. It's not great, but uh, it was yeah. like my second painting. But it you just know? sounds so, just you being passionate about it, it makes was, me interested I, to I, see like, it. I was kind of like, once I'm done with this book tour, like I'm going to get into that again because it was so relaxing. And then like this is not who I wanted to be like thinking about but then I was thinking about George Bush and like jo- like George W. Bush because like after his presidency yeah, he, he painted. like he painted and, and, and like they're like not bad yeah and everyone and was like so surprising too every yeah. media just wanted to cover it because like yeah like, I mean like be- of course they did though they'll yeah. like do whatever for like a media fluff piece on yeah. on George Bush but George yeah yeah George W. Bush Don't. but yeah um yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, I and now we were actually talking right before this podcast, and yeah, I was surprised you did a painting because I know your life lately has just been like 
all your time and energy when you're not doing your day job has been going straight into writing this book and putting it all together. Yeah. And like we were just talking about how uh, writing a book and, and like edit the process of editing, you were saying, yeah, it's so it's it's like you're reading a whole nother book and then you're writing it again. It's, so it's like, it's like after this so after this crazy. podcast, which we're recording, what what time is it? Like eight o'clock, eight thirty. Yeah. Um. What are you gonna like go? You're gonna go home and be up until how late tonight editing? More I mean, it. this is like my final day. So, oh, this tonight is. Well, it was my edits were due yesterday, <laughs> but I got myself like one additional day okay. so yeah um but yeah i the i you know i was like oh i'm just gonna go through and do like a final pass but then it's like a final pass is read your whole book like you have to read your you have to read so your book read many your book many tonight? times yeah i'm gonna and then you know there are some like amazing moments with it like i've never worked on a project this this large scale and i just feel so i'm so proud of myself like i realized that this weekend i was like holy shit like i worked really hard on this and there was so much research like so much thought went into like every sentence and like the way that i'm putting saying everything and it's also weird because i'm used to like writing for instagram captions that i can just like edit or like hyperlink right you know or like drive somewhere but like you have to think through all these like user experience elements of the book like i added in footnotes and i was like what kind of like what's gonna be my like thought process for like what what goes in a footnote versus what goes in parentheses like you have to think through all these like structural things um and yeah i mean it just honestly i just have so much respect for anyone who's done this before because it it, like oh it's so hard like and i have respect for you because i have no idea how you do it um i can't even write like a 500 word essay that's (laughs) probably not true i'm we try it you'll write something about an object after this yeah okay give me give me an assignment i'll see what i can do but anyway i'm super proud of you and i think you deserve to pat yourself on the back yeah because like it's important as artists (laughs) in general no you're good as artists in general like we gotta like sometimes like take a step back and like look at what we've done and be yeah. proud of because we we always like we're always comparing ourselves to other people and not looking at what we've done ourselves and being totally. proud of ourselves and like realizing that we've done some cool stuff so totally um, i'm happy you're like realizing how much you've, you've done and yeah it's definitely worth being very proud of yourself and i'm excited yeah for you. i mean another thing i'll just say to, to anyone who's working on like a big project or like has a dream of a big project like do it because there's like a level of satisfaction to having accomplished this and actually said what I like really want to say that will I will never get from having like a viral Instagram or something like a, a meme or a viral tweet like no like there's like an instant gratification that I am now aware of that comes from from those things that like this is just it just feels like so much more profound um, absolutely and yeah 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 it's more more of a sustainable uh feeling compared mm-hmm. to like one viral meme for a second it's yeah like, it's like a quick like you know yeah it's endorphin boost yeah and oh and i'll tell you can i just say one more i know i'm like distracting from the questions but oh, no, um uh i had a nice moment this weekend where there was an essay that i was kind of struggling with and i like made some notes and edits and i like reread the essay 
And at the end of it, I like started crying because because I was like moved by my words. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, this is what I want to accomplish. Um, and if you know the writer George Saunders, uh, he's like a fantastic writer, um, short story writer. Um, he wrote an essay about uh, like what writing and editing means. And he said that like the reason you edit while you write is because you wanna you wanna jump through time, like I move this parentheses here, or I move this this article or pronoun here, so that you in the future can connect with me. And I was like, that's wild. Like yeah. that's what you're really doing. You're like putting something in a form that that it can like become eternal. Right? That's cool. Definitely. Next questions from Jack underscore lol. Advice for responding to people in parentheses men who fetishize your bias. Ooh, <laughs> wow! This is—I bet the person who wrote this is a bisexual because this is a very real situation. Um, yeah, I mean, like being like fetishized as a bisexual is like part of why it took me so long to realize that I was bi because I like. Like, I thought I just, like, wanted to do this, wanted to, like, hook up with women, like, in front of men. Like, I thought that was it. So I was like, oh, I'm just, like, a kinky straight girl. Um, but I guess, yeah, I guess my, uh, <laughs> I guess I would just say, like, maybe uh, don't date men for a bit. Like, you, <laughs> if you're bi, you have that option, yeah. <laughs> more or less. So, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, fetishize their straightness. Try that. Next question's from Kylia Rosen. What was the process for writing your book from the idea to getting it published? Mm, that's a great question. Um, so as I mentioned, I've wanted to write a uh, collection of personal essays for a very long time. I have written five book proposals because with nonfiction, you sell the book on a book on a book proposal. You can write it, but you don't have to. Um, and that includes like, like an overview, like a table of contents with like rough ideas of each chapter. And then, um, uh, like a marketing plan and, and sample chapters and stuff like that where it's like 80 pages versus so you, you made a whole deck for this or you had someone make you a deck um, it's, like it's like a huge word document okay um, but that sort of summarizes the book and summarizes mm -hmm. like how you're going to market it um, but for um, for fiction you have to like finish the book so like if if someone sells a novel and like gets a book deal from their novel like the book is done normally unless they're like an established author. Um, but I had written five book proposals. Uh, I Probably more, honestly. I just found a really old one, which was a sick idea, by the way. It was called Screenshots. And it was, I literally had all these screenshots from like AIM to like texting, that, to like Snapchat. And I like took real screenshots from like text, like text with guys. <laughs> and I was like writing the essay like around them. Um, but that like it started there and then um the last one i wrote was i like that concept a lot i know i think it's a good i mean this book is honestly it's like it has that like there's okay. plenty of text and i i was so happy i had the proposal because i could be like aha that was what yeah, that yeah. text said um but yeah i i like kept kind of iterating on on it with each proposal like uh i i made it 
like there was one where it was kind of like where me being bi was at like the end of the book and it was like the I, i've like come out like and now i'm found myself the end yeah um but I think I, I started to realize that like I really wanted a book about bisexuality to exist, like just because I wanted to read it. And I was like, oh, that's that means there's an opportunity here for me to like talk about this. Um one of my friends who's who's also by who's in the book, his name is Ben. <laughs> um he uh he always talks about how there's no bi culture in like there's gay culture and there's straight culture, but there's like not bi culture. The first essay in my book is about this. Um, and that really like impacted me a lot. And I was like, oh, we need things that are like explicitly bisexual. Um, and so I wrote this proposal with that in mind. I hired a proposal coach, um, which was new and cost me more than I was like comfortable paying. But like, I was like, you know what? I want to do this. Like, I want to make sure You're that this happens. In yeah, and I'm really glad I did that because it made it real and it it put me on a deadline and she connected me with my agent and my agent sold the book within a week. It was wild. My agent sent out the proposal on Buy Visibility Day, like genius move. Which and, is what day? Um, September 21st, I think. The, nice. Yeah. It's um, almost my birthday. Um, when's your birthday? 15th. Wait, what sign are you? Oh, I should know this from you. Oh, yeah, from you. Yeah. Got to listen to episode three with Kira. I did. I started it. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, and and, oh, and then I had, then this is, sorry, this is the end. Oh, no, you're Um, The end of that process. So then we sold it and we were like, when do we want it to come out? And I was like, I want it to come out on Buy Visibility next year. That sounds great. And they were like, okay, if you want that, you have three months to write it. Oh, so that's why, because your book right now is available for pre-order. Pre-order. But it comes out on Buy Visibility Day? It, we, it, we had to push it a little bit. It comes out uh, October 5th. Okay, so. But you should pre-order it because it's nice to me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I mean, I pre-ordered it. Oh, thanks. I'm, I'm excited. That's very nice. Uh-oh. And then, yeah. did you have anything else to, is that, that's pretty much it, yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, and then I get to market it, which is also fun, because that's yeah. like stuff I like to do. Yeah. And make memes to market it. I'm yeah, sure. I, yeah. I'll um, be talking to you about that. <laughs> the next question is also from Kylie Rosen. Hmm. How did you become a meme creator? Also, do you think bisexuality is underrepresented or misunderstood in the media? Those are two very different questions. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's do how did you become a meme creator first? Um, well, I used to work at BuzzFeed. And so I like took what I knew there about content and how uh-huh. content like spreads and I applied it to my Instagram and it worked. And the key thing there is that you make content that people want to share. That's that's pretty much it. Yeah, so I remember when I first met you two years ago, mm-hmm. um, your Instagrams were different. You had like a personal one where you're kind of yeah. did for personal stuff and then you had your account called Girl Power Supply. Yes, which was good all, memory. Thanks, <laughs> which was all memes, right? Yeah, I mean, I post about myself sometimes. Okay, yeah, threw in a selfie here and there, but you stayed pretty active with memes under, you know, under the certain uh, subgenre, which was, how would you describe this? It was like activism related stuff. I mean, I started after Trump was elected because I was like so mad and I didn't like have anywhere to put my energy. Um, And then it kind of just like grew. And I, I mean, the reason I combined the accounts is because I was like, for one, it'll help me like be a more authentic person if I like am 
combine it. Like there would be things I'd be like, I don't want to post this in front. And I was like, no, like I should just be one person. Um, and then also it was just exhausting to like have two accounts. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it started with memes. I mean, really, I was like just posting a lot of stuff that I was like unlearning from and like things that were teaching me things. And I was like, oh, maybe someone else will learn from this too. Um, yeah, something I love about you is you're always unlearning and very uh, open to unlearning. And that's like a, a lot of what a lot of us should do. Because um, um, we're, our, you know, just we're taught from society, from our culture, that things are a certain way when they I know. really shouldn't be. It's like so, so wild, all the things that we're yeah, taught. So it's, it's a, lot, a lot of learning is unlearning nowadays, I feel like. Yeah, so. I feel like it's like learning twice. Because you have to learn that you're wrong, and then you have to learn what the right thing is. Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's hard to admit that you're wrong because it's just so embedded in you. You just yeah. like from people you've trusted, totally. books you trust, or yeah, yeah, I, resources I, we trust. So I it's feel just like, like I'm gonna like for the next like year of my life, I'm just gonna keep quoting my book. But in <laughs> in the like, I want you to quote your book as much as possible. Is I I'm aw, I mean I haven't sweet. read it yet. I pre-ordered it. But, you're uh, very sweet. But uh, I'm sure it's gonna. Be, I'm really excited to read aw. it. I don't read that many books. So. Aw, that means I hope you like it. <laughs> Yikes, a lot of pressure. Um, but in the prologue, I talk about this unlearning idea that I like to use, which is like if you are trying to figure out why something is like wrong, you just do what like a kid would do to their parents about like, why is the sky blue? You're just like, okay, why is like, to combine the questions, why is, uh, why ha why is, don't that many people openly identify as bisexual? Like, and then you can start to like peel away the layers of the onion. Mm. Um, and like, sometimes it's like hard to tell that there's a question to even like start with in the first place. This is why I don't quote my book because it's it's better written in the yeah, book. Yeah. All right. Well, to answer that full question, I'll have to check out the book on yeah. October 21st. No, just pre-order it. Yeah, just pre-order it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next, the second part of that question, I mean, it was just another question, but it's, do you think bisexuality is underrepresented or misunderstood in media? Um, yes. And I, <laughs> I think that the reason for this. Imagine if you said no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I think we're good. Yeah, um, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely like already... Like, I feel like people started realizing this pretty recently and it's already getting better. Um, but the reason that it is so underrepresented is because for a long time, like writers, you know, you've probably heard the the writing like axiom um, show don't tell. Um, and yeah, like that's a common like creative thing. Like, yeah. uh, but with bisexuality, it doesn't really work because it makes bisexuality look like a behavior rather than a like an identity and so i used to see like people would have like people would do bisexual things but i would be like wait like if they're doing that and they're not like calling themselves anything then i'm just like a normal like i'm just a person um and so it really like took away the ability to access that yeah yeah do you believe everyone's on a spectrum or do you think some people are 100% one thing or 100% another are thing. Are you like asking me, is everyone bisexual? <laughs> yeah. I um, mean, I, I'm just like thinking it off the top right now. Do you think, um, do you think everyone's on some sort of spectrum? I, I think, well, I've, I learned, re I unlearned recently that um, like at one point I was like, yes, I do think everyone is bisexual. The way you asked this question is more 
like uh, yeah, politically a, accurate. Okay. Um, no, you did. You did. Better. Also, is that is that like a bad question to ask? No, it's, no, it's a, a it's a good question um, because I do think that. There's a system called monosexism, which is the idea that you have to be either gay or straight. That's yeah. the core system that we don't talk about that like is it's the op the opposite of being monosexual is being bisexual. Right, because even if you're bisexual, it doesn't mean you like fifty you like women or men fifty fifty percent or no, other yeah. genders. It's like yeah. it could be you, you like one gender or yeah, way yeah. more than another. It's just like Totally, yeah. totally. So and that's like a mis uh yeah yeah misconception and well and that's another thing people are like oh but bi means too in my book there's a whole faq about all of these questions <laughs> i had to i had to i like really wanted to cut the faq and i'm like uh i need it there it's like important yeah. um it's it's at the back but uh yeah cool all right let's move on to the next question okay which is actually a dm because she dm'd me and said her question was too long to fit in the questions oh, feature i love that and she knew not a, to put it in multiple she actually her name's jamie latora aka jamie 23 she asked three questions which were all really good but i'm just gonna pick one question from her which is a coworker recently shared the bi-monthly with me in parentheses. Mm. I love it. Anyone who doesn't know, bi-monthly is Jen's newsletter that is bi-monthly, which is also a- addressing bisexuality issues. Yes. Um, it, it's once a month. but Oh, it's once a month? I, I had okay. to change it. But for a while, it was twice a month every other month. You're busy. You're busy. Yeah. We got it. But bi- <laughs> okay. Missed opportunity. No, well, but, you, but yeah, now it's what... bi-monthly. Right. So like, you oh, get... Yeah, okay. I so it's, solved. Solved. it's still I worse. Solved. It's still worse. Okay. Don't cool, worry. Cool, 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 I wouldn't cool. let you down. Yeah. Um, and she says, in it, you talked about experiencing a lot of personal shifts over the past year, specifically with gender identity, body image, etc. Can you talk a bit more about how you come to some of those realizations? Also, how you work through squishing your feelings down. The smiley face. Mm, wow. Yeah. That's like, I think that's the exact language I used in my newsletter that like, goes after my own heart um um wait sorry can you repeat the, the question i got distracted by someone yeah, repeating was, my words uh, it was just uh in it you talked about experiencing a lot of yeah, personal yeah. shifts over the past year with gender identity body image etc can you talk a bit more about those and how you came to some of your realizations mm. um yeah i mean i think it's it's really interesting to think about gender as a performance um and like like i i really like hit hit more introspection with gender when i was like what does it mean to me to be a woman um there's a singer empress of do you know her she's amazing um, but she has this song called Woman is a Word. And pretty much the only like lyrics are, I'm only a woman if woman is a word. Um, and I just like, like it always gets stuck in my head. Um, and, and I just kind of like thought about it and thought about it. And then when quarantine hit, I was like not leaving my house. Like I wasn't going to like my regular regimen of like workout class, like, like eyebrow wax, like yeah. lash extensions, yeah, yeah. like which I was like getting regularly, which I miss if I'm being honest, like manicure. Yeah, like yeah. I was doing all these like gendered habits, mainly about the way I look. Um, and uh, I during quarantine, I just they just stopped. And then I was like, wait, who am I? Like, what is being a woman? Like, what does that mean? Like, what is what does that mean to me? Um, and also an- another thing that has like 
over time impacted the way I think about gender um, is is thinking about masculinity a lot and like thinking about men. I don't know if you've seen the documentary, um, The Mask You Live In. I haven't. Oh my God, it's so good. I, it's like recommended viewing for everyone, but especially for men, because it's it's about the ways that patriarchy like oppresses men because it, it oppresses all of us. Um, and in that documentary, they, they talk about, they show, talk about Jordan Beckford and say, talk about all these standards that men are held to that, like, we say, this I is masculine. I want to say his name, last name is like Buford. I don't know. I, you were talking about the Wolf of Wall Street guy. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. yeah. I think I'm right. I think Beckford? I'm closer. I don't think either of Does us are right. Know? Is it Beckford? Is it? It's yeah, Belford. That's, that's it, what that's it is. It. Okay, okay, that sounds right. Yeah, I, I knew, knew we were, it was like I knew it was like slightly off. I, I just wanted we to make sure. Wrong. Fact check. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Fact check. I Thank you. you. Um. Yeah. But in that documentary, they talk about that men are held to um like being like stand like if you want to quote be a man yeah uh you have to make money um you have to like have sex with women. And you have to be super athletic. And like, those are the things that like make you a man. And, and have a man cave. <laughs> yeah. And you need a man cave. <laughs> and watch Otherwise, football. And well, chug totally. beers. All of those things. Yeah. And like, the thing is, those three core things, those are the opposite of what we teach women. Like, we teach, I mean, all, all those things put women at like, like, in order to be a man, you have to like, treat women like shit it's like in the narrative right so like sexism is like written into the narrative so when you think about it like that it's like oh that's nobody's like fault but like we all have to stop it like it isn't it isn't yeah yeah i mean and that documentary and that documentary is called the mask we live behind the mask you live in oh my god it's fantastic where can we we listen i want to watch this i think it's on netflix okay Living. Yeah, right, that's gonna be my next watch. It's so good, guys. It's so, I, not guys, everybody, y'all, <laughs> y'all. It's, it's so good. good y'all. <laughs> yeah. Next question is from Cved Twelve. Okay. What was the weirdest date you've ever been on? Um, by the way, you have two skips. So if you want to skip this, no, one. <laughs> I like definitely want to answer this, but I don't know. Um, well, his next question. Okay, I'll is, come back. To his it. next question is also, "What's the best date you've been on?" So, mm. if you want to answer either one of those first, um, I feel like I know the best. Last time we hung out on Facebook time, or uh, it, yeah, yeah, maybe, or maybe it was when we actually hung out IRL. But I remember you, you were telling me how your partner, like for your birthday, like did this incredible oh thing. So that's the thing that comes to mind for the <laughs> that's best. Funny, date. I was like, I don't know not gonna give one of my partners to. Okay. Um, no, but the uh, no, but that was fantastic. They yeah. like cooked me a crawfish boil, or they cooked me like a like a seafood dinner. Yeah, during quarantine and like boiled. Oh, it was during quarantine. Yeah, it, that was like so nice. Another great date that my partner planned was they got me into oil painting because in the beginning of quarantine, that was which it was so sweet. They like made me hide in their room, and then they like like put all this stuff on the table uh, like paints and then we painted self portraits of each other and the one that they painted me was terrible (laughs) it was like artistically good but like i looked awful um yeah and then um the the weirdest day um oh man i want to answer i can't think of anything i feel like i remember 
I remember your like we were like close before you started yeah. this long term this yeah. uh, serious while relationship. I was single, yeah. So like while what, you're single, I, I remember we were, we were chatting a bunch because we were both single and yeah. you were going on a bunch of dates, I think. And yeah. like I remember there was a couple weird ones. Oh, honestly, it's probably the, that's the first chapter of my book. Um, oh. one of those weird ones. <laughs> oh, like, let's hear it. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I mean that one just sucked. Like okay. that guy well, just also, sucked. Also, yeah, you don't we don't have to. Um. No, but I don't want to skip. This is like my okay. dream there's question. Some ju- there's some juicy stuff right oh, here. Oh, okay. 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 I went out <laughs> with this guy who... This is not a weird date, but it's a weird thing that turned me off. And I did not handle it well. Okay. Um, okay. So I went out with, with this guy who was like super awesome, like really smart. Like everything about him was great, truly. And we went back to his place and we were like... We were like about to like have can i cuss on your podcast sure go for okay. it okay we were about to fuck and <laughs> and um he was going down on me which was great he was doing a great job and he had this i forgot to say he had this incredible dog it was like a huge pit bull he was like amazing and at one point i like shut my eyes and i like look i opened my eyes and i was like how is he also how is this guy like going down on me and also licking my calf and oh, it, thought, <laughs> no, no, no. I know where you thought I was going. <laughs> I didn't mean to tee it up like that. But like. No, I thought I thought you said cat. Oh, like I thought you had a cat. He was also like, no, okay. no. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. I thought I, thought <laughs> I, I teed it up to sound like <laughs> yeah, the dog yeah, was going yeah, down yeah, on yeah, me. Yeah, but yeah. that's not the same. <laughs> um, no, but the dog was like licking my calf. My, yeah. my on my leg like my lower leg and i was so freaked out wow <laughs> and i just it just turned my whole mood around which yeah. is weird because like now brinley and i like my partner and i like like hook up with the dogs like like in the bed and it's not an issue but like at the time i don't know why i like could not i could not like come back from it that's definitely not the weirdest date, but like that's it's the first one that pops. It's the to first mind. one that came to mind, and that's, then, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, <laughs> and then I feel really awful because I I never was really in the opportunity to ghost people. Like I never had the privilege to ghost people, I guess. But I just like ghosted after that, and I on I like wanna. I thought about like reaching out and being like, "Hey, I did not handle this very well at all." But then I was like, "That's just about me and like me clearing my head." And so like yeah. I don't. There's not really a purpose for me to do it, but. I feel if if he's listening, I feel really bad. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Mm. Next question is from David Tostin. What are some ways to begin normalizing males being bisexual? Oh, wow. This is such a huge thing. Um, Yeah, it's like bisexuality is one issue where I think men have it like harder than women you could argue not that it's the oppression in the olympics but um i didn't make that that phrase up um, that's really funny I, 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 everyone like thinks that and i just know <laughs> people use it but um yeah I, I like i think that we sh- like it has a lot with with men it has more to do with like internalized homophobia and patriarchy as well as like with, with women it's more about we don't accept fluidity and like we we see things so binary which that yeah. also impacts men and it, all of this also impacts non-binary Wait, women see things binary or with bisexuality in women i mean okay. like the problems yeah. that we experience are more due to fetish fetishization i knew i was gonna have to figure out how to say that <laughs> pronounce that word while i'm doing like a press tour um but 
we have to deal with that and then like there's also this just idea that like you have to fit into a clean box um but men they don't have to deal with the being fetishized as much as with um like internalized homophobia and like what it means if they're having sex like if they're having sex with men and something else i've learned while writing this book is that there are so many like huge health issues that impact men because of this like I, I think I just found a stat that they were like 72% of gay men who had sex with men told their healthcare providers that they were doing that and zero bisexual zero percent of bisexual men did because there's like like there's all these things of like why would I say it I shouldn't say it for like yeah. xyz and that means you don't get correct health information you don't get tested for hiv and like that's another reason the stigma exists in the first place is that like like bisexual men are thought to be like bringing like hiv like over to like straight culture and it's like all of these things you know they're all in part of the same origins Mm -hmm. wow yeah from something i think about is like going to like a party Mm -hmm. it's like Sounds nice. Yeah, sounds nice, <laughs> right? Well, TBT going to a party, it's like so normal to, or just not even going to a party. Just I know like a bunch of my girlfriends like that are all close, like they'll all kiss and make out and it's like not a big deal and like, yeah. and like take photos and post it to their Finsta, whatever. Yeah. Um, but if a, if guys did that, it's like, yeah, it's I like, can't even it's, imagine. A to- it's a totally different thing. The only difference is our gender, but like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, but it's like, it, yeah, our and culture then, doesn't accept that. Isn't no, it right? Isn't it and right? then and then it like brings back to the question, like, well, what what's the difference? Like, yeah, what? No, I mean, it's there's crazy. no difference. And why is it like that? Yeah, and and I mean, I also like even with the like ease of like posting photos, like making out, like that was a whole other thing. Like in high school, I have this one essay in this book that's like uh, about a traumatic experience. In, in hindsight, it's dramatic. In the t- at the time, I was like, mm, like, that was fun. <laughs> like, it was like my first, like, experience, like, hooking up with a woman. And it was, like, with a guy. Um, and it was, like, for a guy. And I thought, I, th- I thought it, I liked it. Like, I liked it. But I, it, it was so hard for me to determine, like, why it happened in the first place. Like, was it for me? Was it for him? Yeah. And I think that, like, uh, it's we t- we talk so casually about these things, but all like some some things, but then we don't talk about others, and that shows like the the discrepancy between the way that the women and the men are treated doing those things like shows that there's more to the story yeah. to like be unpacked. Yeah. All right. The next question is from Dave Krugman. What responsibilities do social media companies have to share revenue with creatives? Ooh. Um I mean like <laughs> I don't know, I guess I'll skip it. Yeah, <laughs> we can skip that one. I mean, I would say a lot probably. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll like, just go with a, a lot yeah. as the answer for that. Okay, a lot. Next question's from Kid Ace Magic. Do you ever hit a wall when thinking of new memes to create? Do you even do you make that many memes anymore or is that phase in your life kind of I mean, past a little bit? Yeah, you know, I think it's past because my taste in memes have just gone like I only like like shit posts. Like I have I have terrible taste in memes <laughs> at this point, and so I like I like can't even make them myself. Like 
Yeah. Like, I don't know. I, because you used to make a lot, right? I mean, when I first met you, you were making, yeah, I guess if there's a good, I miss doing it actually. It's like a fun little art project to think about the way things relate to other things. Yeah. I'll, I'll do some more for, for King Ace. (laughs) Yeah. Kid, Kid Kid Ace Magic. Kid Ace Magic. Thank you for the prompts. Next question is from the Kid JB. What are some things as a writer you second guess yourself about? For me, it's grammar. Oh, yeah. Same. Not for me. For, for, for the, the kid JB, he said, for me, it's grammar. For yeah. me, it's like grammar, but also other things. Not- I mean, well, I've definitely slacked off as a reader over the past few years. And like, I thought that was fine. Like, I was like, this doesn't matter. Like, I'm still a fine writer because I write for Instagram and I like read memes. But the thing that has fallen is my vocabulary. And like, my vocabulary is not good anymore. Um, we should and- play Scrabble sometime. <laughs> well, I can, a- I can hang in a Scrabble game, okay. but like in a book or like in writing, like I, I kept finding myself you, like, I'll use. A, a word that's like slightly off what I mean and then it just like doing that undermines trust in the reader they mm. say so like do you have an example of a time recently you I'm did that with a certain word that you kind of slightly got off I can relate to that because I, mm. I mess up yes sometimes I these words just you know come to mind and I just say it and I'm like wait that like is not the right yeah. word for this context. And you're like, please don't, please don't <laughs> call it out. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a super small one, but like uh, there's an essay. I have, a lot of the essays in the book are written in the second person, weirdly. Um, yeah. So, which is like, you do blank. Um, and so there's this one essay about uh, like high school and it's like, you flirt with Parker in uh, English and Chris in Algebra 2 is like the sentence. Okay. I remember this one because I told my parents about it for some, for some reason. <laughs> um, and I realized that I should have changed it to, you flirt with Parker during English and Chris during Algebra 2. Mm. Because, I mean, you don't have, like, actually, now that I say that out loud, I'm like, in? <laughs> maybe. I'm like, maybe the first one. But it's more accurate to convey that those are classes by using during. And I, I, this is why it takes me so long to do edits because I'm like, mm, what is the like historical Greek roots <laughs> of the word? And it's like really yeah. exhausting. My, uh, whenever I write like post Instagrams or tweets, my grandma, she's very up on her grammar. Oh, and wow. uh, so she'll correct me all I the time, it. which I really appreciate because I'm not. Yeah, with with uh, Instagram captions, at least I could edit them. Uh, that's but, amazing. Uh, yeah, it's funny because she'll like use all caps when she texts me to like correct the, <laughs> and it feels like she's yelling at me. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. She's, she's like, like the a comma. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that's so amazing. You should like post those screenshots. Yeah. people would love it. Well, yeah, if you're watching the YouTube video version of this podcast, <laughs> I'll post a screenshot of an example of that right here. Yeah. All right, we're in the final stretch, the home stretch. We okay. got a couple of questions left. How, I feel are you, like, how are you feeling? I feel like I've been talking too long. Have we been? No, I'm <laughs> interviewing you. I want to hear your story. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. You're doing great. Great. Yeah, so we have just a couple questions left. And this next question is from The L. Mm, great what handle. Are, what are some ways to navigate bisexuality in a committed heterosexual relationship? Ooh, this is such a good question. Um, this is a very common question also because... Uh, 89% of bisexual wow, women. You, you have the fact, the stats I sure ready do. to go. I'm thrilled that I'm I can. Impressed. 89% of bisexual women are in committed relationships. So when people are like, bisexuality is like, like, 
you're you're gonna tear apart our our relationship by being bisexual like 89 percent committed monogamous relationships um but the thing that i would say like a common critique of bisexual people is that like we're promiscuous and we're gonna like ruin lives and stuff um like in in the speaking of media representations like bi people are always portrayed as like homewreckers like if you've seen jennifer's body that's a classic example of like bisexuality like demonic Mm -hmm. like literally murder murderous bisexual is like a trope but um which is like great i love it but (laughs) um but uh the, the thing I would say is that if if you are interested in exploring your bisexuality, like your issue is not with your bisexuality, it's with monogamy. Um, so like that might be something to like unpack or communicate about because it's the same. It's like the genders that you're interested in exploring like doesn't necessarily like it could be a reason for wanting to be non-monogamous, yeah. but it's like you're you still have the capacity to be monogamous. It's like a different layer of the of the cake okay while we're on this topic i have a question when you when you become partners with someone and you become in a committed relationship when is it best to you know define your relationship as a monogamous or non-monogamous mm. relationship like is it off the bat when you start dating yeah or do you define it or is it like a little bit in you i mean like what do you think I, that's I what i'm asking get, you I okay mean, what I do i think know, i don't know i'm curious what you what think, do though. i think i yes. guess i guess off the bat you should be able to talk about it before you yeah but then again like people are always changing all the time and if you're dating someone especially like a long relationship like you just naturally change so if if that happens i I mean at the end of the day communication is key so whatever you're feeling you should be able to tell your partner yeah but uh i mean that's happened to me in the past when i was in a committed relationship and my partner uh brought up that she wanted it to be non-monogamous and so, you didn't want that uh I, it just it just Took came you, out of, it yeah. came out of nowhere at the time so okay it was a little difficult for me to yeah, understand yeah i mean i um, think it's good to bring it up early because yeah. it's the same as like if you didn't want to have kids you'd be like i don't that's that's a big part yeah it's another big yeah, part of the relationship. they're like and and i was saying like my partner and Especially i at this age yeah i mean yeah, i'm 29 exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm 32, (laughs) like pushing 33. But um, yeah, I mean, I my partner and I are are currently monogamous, but like are talking about like someday being non-monogamous. And we talked about that on our first date. And there was another guy um, who I hooked up with a while ago. who I like thought things were going super well. This it was like a guy who pursued me for a really long time and I told him like early that I wanted uh that I that I was bi and that I wanted to have like non-monogamy and I like thought it was great. Um and he had just been cheated on in a previous relationship and it he like he was like I can't do this at all. And it was like good that we like had that conversation like it obviously yeah. sucked um but it wouldn't have made me happy and him too um and i mean that's not to say you should like end your relationship but i i do think i actually think bisexuality can make it an easier easier to talk about hey i want to be non-monogamous within if you've already been dating someone because it's like it's like less threatening in a way to yeah. be like i want to hook up with other genders like uh 
yeah, I don't know. It. I mean, it shouldn't be less threatening because like all the attractions are equivalent, but it's like when someone is provide clearly providing something that's different. Like I think that's the beauty of non-monogamy. Yeah. The next question is also from the L, and she asked, "What did you newly discover? Sorry, what did you newly discover about yourself during the process of writing your book?" Um. Did you discover anything about yourself while reading your book? Um, yeah, I, it was like so much. Like by the end, I was like, oh, I should just write this whole thing over. <laughs> um, I think, well, I think by the end of writing my book, I was like, oh, I like definitely don't just, just like identify as like woman period. Like I identify as like woman question mark, Yeah, I think, which that's the first time I've ever put it that way. I think that works for me. Um, but by the end of the book, I was like, whoa, wait, gender is like, like deserves to be questioned. Um, another thing I found from writing the book is that I care a lot about like just abolition in general, like the, it, like as an idea, as a, something to like, like we should be trying to like tear down structures as they are and not seeing that as like a violent act, but seeing it as like an act of love and beauty and like a, a creating space to rebuild. Um, yeah. And then we're in the last question now. Oh, wow. Emotional. And it comes from (laughs) Lele610. Yay. What inspired the design slash colors of your book cover? Oh, wait, can we put the book cover? We can put it right here. (laughs) It's right here. (laughs) Um, Well. So your book is called? My book is called Greedy, Notes from a Bisexual Who Wants Too Much. Um, And... It was it was really hard. Like thinking of a cover was so hard. Um, so I worked with this designer who I was putting together a book of inspiration and like every single piece of inspiration. I was like, wait, these are all from the same person. I should just like email this guy. Um, and his name's Rodrigo Corral. He's amazing. And we had like a really great call. And I was like, you know, there's not a lot in the like there's not visual I can like b- because of the point about bi culture like there's no bi culture there's like nothing to like to there's like no tropes you can like lean on that aren't cliches really like you could lean on like cuff jeans which is like a thing on the internet but there's not really like any iconography that that exists for bi people which is part of the problem mm. so and and we realized like you have to come up with comp titles when you're coming out with a book like thing which i think is probably good for ev- anyone pitching like any media but like books that are similar to yours and uh we like couldn't really i mean there are books that are similar in that they're like memoirs with like a political identity bent um but there were none that about bisexuality like specifically um so we we were like trying to figure out what that is and uh rodrigo i like it's a it was an instance of like not like i worked with someone who I didn't know how his brain got there really like like he's clearly so visual and I'm clearly so right writing like words and it was just really cool to see what he did with it uh, he said it was about taking up space um, and I loved that like I talked a lot about wanting to take up space and be like firm in fluidity I told him typography mattered a lot to me just like generally because I like words so it matters to me Um, There were so many other amazing ones. Like there was this other option with like a mutated daisy on the cover that was like, it was like really sick. Um, If I ever read a novel, like that's going to be the cover of my novel. (laughs) Um, 
Oh, but he had done something so cool where he wrote on each of the pedals uh, the titles. So it was Ooh. like, like, he, like he loves you, she loves you, mm. they love you not, they love you. Not. Wow, I like that. It I was like, like brilliant conceptually, but yeah. it was kind of hard to read. So right, um, but it wasn't as striking visually as your yeah covers. And I know mine's also no. still kind of hard to read, but I love that because it it goes. I I think something I learned really at the end of writing this book is that confusion is a strength and it means like questioning all of these systems and questioning all these things that are in place. Um, I love that. C- confusion yeah. is a strength and addressing it and, you know, combating it. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Like, cause a lot of bi people will be like, Oh, I'm, we're not confused. We're not greedy. It's like, actually like perhaps we are and yeah. like, and that's okay. That, and yeah. And the problem isn't us. The problem is the systems that tell us that we have to make up our minds. Yeah. And capitalism. And, and capitalism. <laughs> you know, that's good. I'm going to start saying that. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Jen. Oh, I love you so much. I love you too. Thanks for being on this podcast. I'm so happy Such to be here. Such a good conversation. Yeah. I feel, just from this podcast, I feel like I've learned so much about you and about yeah, gender. Yeah, now I need to like job. hear what you've been up to. <laughs> we'll last... talk after this podcast, okay, but yeah. this one's about you. Okay, well, I'll start a podcast just so, so I can, just so I can hear <laughs> how you're okay, doing. Maybe. Thanks. No. Um, so where can we find you? What can I want you? What can we promote? I mean, the book, the newsletter. Yeah. Like, uh, did I mention that I wrote <laughs> that I wrote a book that you could pre-order? <laughs> um, you can pre-order it. Uh, you can go to greedy slash bisexual dot com, which is my URL. Um, and there's a lot of pre-order links there. You can subscribe to the bi-monthly, my newsletter there. Um, and you can find me on social media at generous with a J. Yep. And by the way, your website for the book is so cool. Oh my god! I really like Thanks. just scrolling through it and just my, everything. My friend sh- did a kick-ass job. Uh, who's your friend? Uh, her name's Emily. Shout out Emily! Yeah, she's that, the best. I really the site is really well oh, done. Thank you. So she's, check out that she's site. She's so good. Yeah. she's so good. It's like nostalgic and also yeah, it's it's easy to. I, I had a good experience scrolling through. Yeah. There, so okay, I'm so happy. Cool, Yay. Jen. Thanks so much for being <laughs> on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been episode six of the, what is my podcast called again? It's called Ask the Me Ask Not, Not Me Ask Anything. Not me. <laughs> the Ask Not Me Anything podcast. This episode featuring with Jen, a.k.a. Generous. Thanks, everyone, so much for tuning in. And I hope you tune in for next week's episode. Have a great day. Peace. Since this is a new show, we want to use this space to shout out local businesses instead of doing traditional ads. So today, I want to introduce you to Smells Like, which is a Brooklyn-based candle studio born in quarantine to invoke nostalgia for your time and space through curated scents. My personal favorite is Justice and Peace, made with lavender, sage, and other floral notes. And the best part is 50% of all proceeds go to the national bailout. You can find all their products at SmellsLikeBK.com and use my code NOTME at checkout to save 20%. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A Shishkin Productions podcast.